Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Maximum Octane, which I am going to call Mr. Bruce Spencer Part 2. Had such an amazing conversation with Bruce last week that I just wanted to bring you more Bruce because he just has a way of putting things into words without a lot of extra words and really just laying it on the line and telling it like it is. So welcome back, Bruce. Oh, you teed me up to really tell it like it is this time. Uh-oh. That can <laughs> be gonna, problematic. You're going to be sick of me by the end of uh, this week, all this, all these visits. So a couple of things we didn't get to because I asked you so many questions during our last session that we, we didn't have time to cover some, some of the things that we thought about covering. And one of them is about unproductive habits that you've exchanged. So everybody to get to the level where everybody wants to be and elevate yourself, there's everyone has unproductive habits that they have to learn to exchange for productive ones. And it they're game changers most of the time. And so what are some of the unproductive habits that you have that you're learning or learn to exchange for productive ones? I think, um, you know, we had talked in, in the prior podcast about, first of all, thanks for having me again, Kim. And uh, hopefully I can add something for somebody out there who's listening. But I think, you know, we had talked about strengths as it relates to making sure you identify your weaknesses, getting out of your own way and putting people in place who can pick you up in those in, in those pieces. But I think, you know, the the conversation that we would have today would be more about personal choices. And outside of work, you know, we all have an opportunity to do productive things that help us rejuvenate. So when we come to work, we can be on that Disney stage of creating wow for everybody, because as the leaders of our small companies, it really is up to us to generate that wow effect. When you walk in the door, I try to tell our team here, look, it's uh, when you walk through that door, some days I feel like crap too, but it's showtime and you better bring it every day. And so I have to bring it every day if I want them to bring it every day. So we laughed before and and prepping for the call a little bit about how during COVID times, you know, on social media, if I see one more bit about, you know, people drinking wine and, and, you know, I've drunk enough wine that, you know, blah, 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 and and eating all this food. And those are kind of what I consider unproductive things in, in your downtime. And some people might laugh about that, but if you're really honest with yourself, Uh, Not a whole lot good comes from it. And I'm going to be the first to say that I I go home and I have choices to make. I can, you know, my kids are pretty much grown. So I'm past the point of going to uh, sporting events. I have three sons. They're in sports actively. I'm I'm not chasing their sporting events anymore. I'm not 
uh, you know, doing any homework with them or any of the things that really, if you've got a younger family, absolutely require your time. So I have the luxury of making a choice, you know, in a positive way or, or sit around and drink wine and, and, and eat dinner. And so for me, my positive way to re-energize, I'm an extroverted person, is to get exercise. So I go home and some days it's like, you know what, I think I'm going to sit down, grab something to eat. And oh, by the way, you know, a couple of glasses of wine would go really well with that. And when I do that, that's fine. It's not the end of the world. Uh, not like I'm sitting home drinking bottles of wine each night uh, or booze or whatever your preferred drink is. But I, I generally don't sleep as well. I generally get up without the, the same level of energy. Whereas if I take that different decision and I go get some exercise, every time I do it, I feel like, wow, actually, this isn't actually that miserable to be doing it because I love sports and I love athletics. And then when I get done, I feel like a whole new person and then I sleep better and then I've got energy the next day. So I'm not here to be, uh, you know, uh, some big exercise guru, but there are just so many things. And, and your positive path might be something different that allows you to recharge. If you're an introverted person, maybe you read a book, you know, maybe that's how you recharge. But I just would encourage people to try to take a positive path for whatever it is for them to recharge and to be self-aware to know what that looks like. And then when you start taking a little different path, at least be conscious of it. Doesn't mean you're never going to do it. And if you happen to, you know, if I have a couple glasses of wine a night, you know, here and there, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. But I do know that the more positive way is to do the things that get me re-energized so I can bring my A game in here every day. What are some tips you have for coming in and being positive? Because let's face it, as a, as a business owner, there's some days or some nights that you're just like, what the heck? And what am I doing this for? This is crazy. Or it just seems like everything comes at you at once. How do you keep yourself on that positive thing that when you show up at your business that you're rah-rah and like, hey, we got this. This is great. And not coming in like doomsday. I would say we live in a world where a lot of people want to declare victim status. One, don't ever be a victim to anything. You're making choices every day, all day, and they're your choices. So attitude is a choice. I can come in here, have a crappy attitude um, because I'm having a bad day, or, or let me tell you about my day. It's your job as the leader to leave that at the door. You know, I don't, and, and let's be honest, nobody gives a shit about you having a bad day. You're the owner. You're supposed to be, your life is supposed to be perfect, right? So guess what? You know, occasionally you can keep it real and you can share something that might be a downer for you on a personal level. And, and if you've built enough credibility with your team, they'll give you that out. They'll give you that opportunity without holding you fully accountable to, oh, yeah, there you go again, you're being negative. But if you come in every day and you're negative, your, your whole organization is going to stink. It is. It's going to, and you're going to own it. And if you think it's because of others, then you're just wrong because you own it. You own the attitude, you own the behaviors, you own all of it. Don't be a victim. You own it. And so there are days I come in here and I, you know, you're thinking the same thing like, wow, I can't believe how bad X or Y or Z is or whatever it might be. And if you start to buy into the fact that, you know, you're a victim to those things, well, I mean, shame on you because guess what? This is my business and whatever happens here, I own it. And if it goes well, outstanding. If it goes poorly, that's on me. So I just, I think, you know, you've got an attitude every day, you got to make it positive and you can't be a victim in today's world because there's a lot of crap that's going to find you that could put you in a victim category and you just can't buy into the bullshit. That's all. Am I allowed to curse on here? Um, I don't know. 
I occasionally <laughs> people do. You're supposed to like flag it that there is cursing in there, but I, I, I have not had any problems with that yet. Well, BS, I will say that. That's okay. You mentioned something a, a couple of minutes ago about you're an owner, your life is supposed to be perfect. I'm glad you brought that up because what I see sometimes when we're interviewing internal customers at, at different businesses that we work with, they're like, oh, you know, the owner was mad about whatever, poor thing, their motorhome stopped working or their, you know, oh, their plane was late to go to their trip in the Cayman Islands or whatever it is. And I think that really just causes like a snowball effect of, holy cow, they, 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 they resent you even more. So not only do you have negativity and who the heck wants to come in to work for a sinking ship every day when somebody's dooming gloom all the time, but it makes them resent your position, I think, even more. And that's definitely not the behavior of a leader. Do you, do you see that? And you were in the corporate world before being an entrepreneur. Did, did you notice that in the corporate world as well? Not so much because I think in the corporate world, they're, let's be upfront, people are scratching and clawing at some level trying to get up that ladder. And when they get there, I think that's why you see certain things like with CEOs where they feel there's a sense of entitlement at some level because guess what? All the crap, unquote, that I, you know, quote unquote, that I went through to get here, now it's my turn to enjoy these benefits. So I think in the corporate world, um, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of levels of jealousy, trust me. And there's a lot of scratching and clawing and, and BS that goes on. And I don't miss it for one second. But, you know, here, everybody is watching. For me, I didn't come from the industry. So I don't, I don't turn a wrench. I don't have that level of respect or credibility. So I don't even fake it to try to get a, a credible level with the guys as it relates to me turning wrenches or, or adding any value that way. The only thing I'm trying to do is be a, a solid enough citizen and a good enough owner and have respect for them and overbake that respect for them every day. Because guess what? They can't do what I do. And I sure as I can't do what they do. And I let them know that. And I think, I think the way we show that as owners is, is we put together last year, a goal, a stretch goal for the team. And lots of shops have team goals. Uh, we hit it the first two months and then we didn't hit it for the balance of the year. And, you know, it gets deflating when you don't make that number, you don't hit that goal. And, um, and then it becomes a little bit of the internal finger pointing that you've got to manage, you know, within the team, because other people think that one's carrying more weight than the other, and we should have hit it if you had just. So you have to manage that. But um, hiring a COO now, having team goals, we've hit it the first two months he got here. And I, the most fun, and I tell these guys this, and how I get their respect is obviously through their pocketbook at times. Uh, that's a short-term solution because we certainly, we don't, we don't come and go because of pay. We come and go because we hate our boss in many cases. And it's still nice to receive that bonus. And for me, I try to accrue, I probably shouldn't say this on the record, but you know, enough cash in the business where I can potentially pay some bonuses, pay those bonuses in cash. So the first month that Rob uh, Sisney was here, he was our new COO, started at the end of February, March, we hit it. The Friday, I didn't come in that we were going to pay them out. Cash was in envelopes. And he got his first month win because he paid the guys out in cash. So I think there are plenty of ways where I communicate overly with these guys on what my intentions are and what we're trying to do. They knew for six months I was trying to hire a COO. So when he got here and they had their first month of success, I was able to give him a month of win. Uh, the second month, I thought there's no way we didn't have any momentum. 
they pulled a rabbit out of a hat. The month ended on a Thursday, right? So we know in our business, Friday is cleanup pickup day. We're closed on weekends. They nailed it on Wednesday and Thursday. And all of a sudden magic occurred like it was two Fridays in a row. And they nailed the bonus. So guess what? We paid him out bonuses again. So he's two for two on the bonus front. Here I sit in May and we've been pretty slow. And I'm looking at it. I'm saying, damn, if we're not ahead of the bonus opportunity again. So I think, yeah. And, and look, I'm sitting here in a golf shirt. I'm going golfing today. Everybody here knows it. That's okay. I'm not going on a yacht. I'm just playing around a golf with my two sons. And I thank them for my opportunity to be able to do that because that's a small thing, but it's a huge thing for me and my family time, just like many shop owners would like to have with their family. So I don't apologize for it, but we also accommodate if somebody has a personal situation where they need time off, we don't even blink, you know, because you should do that with your family. Right. But we just have to plan for it. So give everybody a heads up when you need that time. I love, love, love that you just said you thank them for the opportunity for you to be able to go golfing with your sons because so many business owners, and it breaks my heart, have the attitude of it's my business, I'll do whatever I want, but just like a negative way about it. Not I can make these decisions because I am the business owner. I take the risks, I do whatever, but I still need the people that are working with me to help me make that happen. And it's it's such a balance of a relationship. And we are in a relationship with these people. And when you show them respect, they respect you. And so I just love that you thank them for the giving you the opportunity to be able to leave and know that they have it. And you don't have to apologize for doing things, but people don't have to be nasty about it either. Like, oh, you know, it's my business. I don't need to tell, you know, it's just like, why would you treat anyone like that? It doesn't matter. So you brought up bonuses. And one of the other things that I really respect and admire about you is your motto about don't be cheap about it and with your people. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think, um, like I said before, people will, will not leave you because their paycheck's a little bit light. They'll leave you because you don't give them respect or you don't actually, you don't listen to them. So from that perspective, I think when you're, so for instance, in hiring Rob Sisney, been with us about 10 weeks. He's given me extra, extra freedom, right? Because he's running the day-to-day operation. My thought is, and different shop owners think differently about it from time to time, but I own 100% of the shop. I'm not comfortable in giving up equity in the shop, but I am perfectly happy to put a pay scale together for him that allows him to enjoy a piece of the gross profit and a piece of the net profit. And so his bonuses are based on that. And you know, from my perspective, I'm buying my freedom. So why would I be cheap about that? Because time is something I can't get back. I'm not going to nickel and dime him. I'm going to show him the P&L. We've created the P&L. So it goes like this, gross profit, net profit, and then below the line, which is my net net profit. So we have a whole category because if we do really well and I want to take extra money out of the business as the owner, I don't want that. And it shouldn't impact his income. So I have two net profits, the net profit he gets paid on, and then the net profit after I take my extra if I choose to do so, because we're doing well. So it, th- that shouldn't impact his income. You know, th- I still do the things that I've always done, and that's how his compensation was built, which is, yeah, I'm going to run the gas card through here. I'm going to run certain things through here that we do as small business owners. But I built that whole model and his comp plan based on that. What I didn't build was, and I fully expect him to help us grow the business, 
that I want to take extra money out of here at times. And so I'm not going to be cheap to him. I'm going to be open and candid with him on how he's being compensated and try to align all the exact behaviors accordingly. And, and that would trickle down even with the technicians. They know exactly on a daily basis what the bonus goal is. And whether they're ahead or behind, we share with the technicians on a weekly basis. And so people want to know how they're doing against the goal and then how they're doing with you as an organization and on a personal level. So don't be cheap. I guess that's the idea. There's, there's, listen, if you do this well in our business, I, I think there's plenty to go around without having to say, you know, catch me if you can. Like just be open and transparent about things. And, and the most successful shops that I've admired in my five years in the industry are basically sharing that information with their teams and saying, hey, you guys get to participate in this as well at a level. So transparency is key. And we, we need to be better about that. I see a lot of businesses that keep that stuff so close to the vest. And there isn't a reason for that at all. The when your people know what's going on and have a better understanding and they trust what you're saying, there's not any big secret. When you just don't release any information or act like it's this top secret stuff, the information, they start to think you're lying to them, right? I mean, it's right. a, it's a natural assumption that why are you hiding all of that? Are you screwing us on our bonuses? Why don't why aren't you showing us what's really going on? And the other part of being transparent, as you mentioned earlier, about they think you have a perfect life in any business the employees always think that there's a lot more money being made than truly usually what there is. They don't know if they don't know, because you've never showed them how much your insurance is, how much your credit card fees are, how much workers comp is, how much shop supplies and toilet paper and you know all of those things and those variable and fixed expenses. They look at X amount of money is coming in the door. You're paying me this. There's five of us. So all the rest of this is profit, right? <laughs> Right, right. It, it actually really helps the, the owner's case to share the information because time after time, I've seen when they did become transparent and share, the employees were like, holy cow, I didn't have any idea it cost X to run this. I didn't know that this cost that much. And it gives them a better understanding. And I feel that it makes them more responsible and careful about the resources they're using. You know, when they find out let's just say toilet paper costs, you know, whatever number it is a week, they they tend to use a little less or shop supply rags or anything else with the resources, the water, the, the cookies in the waiting room or any of that. They, they become more responsible and less wasteful because then they understand that there's a value attached to that. H- have you seen that in your experience? I have. And I think um, you're right in that people begin to think that well, there's just so much money floating around here. I know what your labor rate is. I know what you pay me. So you should have an absolute fortune here. And so, you know, what they don't realize is, is that we all have a break-even point for the salaries that we take out of here. And so we went below that in 2019. So my, my drop the mic in the room on these guys occasionally is, you know, listen, if things are going well now and we're making good money now, let me tell you about 2019 when I made some changes in management here that really set us back so that we could spring forward and make us all a better culture and a better environment. I'm going to tell you right now, and I do tell them, I said, look, in 2019, I worked for free. So I don't know of any employee who goes to a corporation, albeit a small one, and is willing to work for free for a year. Well, as an owner, that year I worked for free. 
So I assumed more risk because we could have gone out of business, right? But we didn't. And I had to put additional money in. I took my salary, but I put money in. So guess what? I work for free. And so if we get the benefits of that now, I'm not going to apologize for it because there's risk and there's return. And you as an employee come here expecting to get a paycheck every Friday, and you do based on what you produce. So you don't necessarily have the same level of risk that I do. Your risk is you can go find another opportunity at another company. My risk is I'm completely upside down and out of business, and my house is on the line for the loan. My retirement's on the hook, even though legally that's probably not in play. But bottom line is I'm all, all, all in at this place. And so I should be able to get the benefit of the rewards at times. Love it. And I love that you are just so candid with them and share the information. Well, I so much appreciate you doing part two with me on this because there were a couple things that I just wanted to make sure that everybody heard. And you heard it today from Bruce. Don't be cheap. <laughs> Time is the only non-renewable asset that we have in paying for your freedom and the freedom tax, I always call it when I take a couple percent off the net to help my people that are running the business, you know, do things. It's the freedom tax as in my head, I, I uh, call it pay the freedom tax. Dang it. Don't be cheap. Don't be cheap. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Bruce. Really appreciate you taking some time out. Hopefully you have a great golf golfing game. I don't even know what's a good golf game. My, my experience with golfing and all of my knowledge comes from Happy Gilmore. So there you go. Well, I'll take a round like Happy Gilmore. How's that? <laughs> Very <laughs> fantastic. You have a Thanks wonderful me, day. Everybody, care, everybody stay safe, make good choices, stay inspired, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye, take everyone. Care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can. 